Hello there, my name's Richard Plattel. And I'm Liz Walker. Welcome to episode four of the Bake Canadian Takeoff, a podcast about the Great Canadian Baking Show. And this week is Canadian Week. Hey. Hey. What's Canadian to you, Rich? What's Canadian to me? Well, as I was sitting on my Chesterfield wearing a toque and watching uh, football with a slightly larger ball and an extra long field, I was thinking about that. <laughs> and uh, I didn't come up with anything. What's Canadian to, to you, Liz? That is, the, that is the most Canadian thing that you could say, Rich. As possible under the circumstances. <laughs> Ambiguous feelings. That's what I think of when I think of Canada, is rocks and Christmas trees. Uh, the first thing they made was a tour chair. Uh, right. And that was the signature challenge. Mm-hmm. I have to say, when we talked about this earlier in the week, I thought for sure that the tour d'air was going to be the technical challenge because I guess I consider a tour d'air to be sort of an un- unwavering category of of food like it's a it's a tortier it's not it's not i didn't really think they could fancy schmancy it up and make it a signature bake i kind of thought that a tortier is you know there's some mix on the meats mm-hmm. and there's some question of whether you hand grind or you know machine mince the meat mm-hmm. but like they're pretty solid on you have to have like the four the four um spices of mm-hmm. allspice cinnamon nutmeg. Uh, cloves and nutmeg mm-hmm. and you know and i was like well that's your tortillere they but gave, no they gave them quite a bit of latitude they said you can use any filling uh it just kind of has to be a savory pie and you get to uh make up a condiment to go with it right so really you can do anything you like Maybe you could make a tortillere, or maybe you could just make a savory pie. Right. It was pretty broad. It was pretty broad. I I, I, I hate to think what Pierre would have thought of the entire proceeding. <laughs> uh, Julian kind of uh, confirmed my theory from last week. He said that he's been wanting to stay in the middle so far, mm, uh, but he's going to yeah. break out now. Yep. No, that's not what he said. No? He said he wanted to stay comfortably in the middle. Oh. Yeah, he was like... Well, I don't know. That was kind of, that was what I took away from it. I was like, he's like, I just want to stay head down in the middle. But I have never felt that he was in the middle, frankly. I kind of always felt that he was always pulling out something that was really spectacular, like once an episode, you know? And, and I don't think that this was any different, this particular episode. Like, I thought his tortillere, although I have to say that when, when they first said Julian's making a Halifax Donair inspired tortier. Mm. I wrote down in my notes, oh God. Because <laughs> <laughs> I thought, there's no way that's going to be good. But well, apparently, I mean... You know, it can be like a movie inspired by true events. It's inspired. Right. Well, and like... Yeah, I, the smoking the tomatoes... Yeah, that was cool. On the f- That was pretty, like... That makes some pr- pr- pretty good TV there. Well, it's pretty spectacular looking, and he's you know he's got his little little cup of of that sauce, and I, I'm pretty sure that sauce is like garlic powder and um, condensed milk or something. <laughs> in the in in the classic Halifax Donaire sauce mm-hmm. context, I'm pretty sure it's garlic powder and 
I don't know. I don't know if he did that garlic powder and, and, and condensed milk, but, uh, yeah. You know, people who like East Coast Donaires like them a lot. Uh, in preparation for this, I made a torchair. Uh, I made the torchair <laughs> from my notes from taking a George Brown College continuing education uh, culinary arts class, uh, which I highly recommend to anyone. They're amazing classes, and they're really good to get you started cooking. Uh, and now, this is, an, this is an academic setting, so I'm assuming this is pretty classic, yeah? Yep, it's a, it's a very standard torchair. It's uh, two-thirds pork and one-third ground beef. Uh, ground with um, a mirepoix, which is onion, celery, and carrot in a fine dice, and then also leeks and garlic, and then, as you say, the uh, the important four spices. Um, mm -hmm. My torchair was, I was pleased with the taste of it, but not the consistency. Uh, I would not have passed uh, Bruno's hold together test this time, and I think it's because uh, I used too lean a meat. Yeah, that was a problem for a couple of the contestants. Their their pies kind of some of them held together quite nicely, uh, including James's vegetarian pie, which yes. was quite deep dish, and I was extremely skeptical about when mm -hmm. I cast eyes on it. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, but it held together. Sabrina's uh, Sabrina's tart was uh, torture was folia party. Um, yeah, very much. And so. she had the she had the open top, so I wonder if she had like architectural problems yeah i would think so because i my understanding is that it's supposed to be a closed i mean supposed to be this was pretty much pretty loosey-goosey you know, it was this was crazy town uh but i mean yeah i think in a classic in a classic tortillera scenario it's supposed to be pretty closed with a couple of steam holes and that's pretty much it now i did some research on the tortillera the tortillera uh, is a Quebec pie, of course, uh, dates back to um, contact, basically. Hum humanity's it... first contact with the French? <laughs> uh, the French in North America uh, and the indigenous people who were already living here for a long time. Um, and they were, they brought with them what is frequently described as a sort of post-medieval mix of spices, the, the, the sweet, what we think of as sweet spices with the savory meats. Um, the mix of meats has, has sort of changed and shifted over the years. Um, and include, there are regional variations, but really overall, it's kind of like a, it's a, it's a, it's an enclosed pie full of meat and even the inclusion of like carrots is kind of crazy in in that classic recipe mm -hmm. like some um potatoes you'd see some potatoes uh, you'd see some if there was an irish element apparently uh, you know mm. my uh, my recipe did call for <laughs> potatoes uh sort of grated in there to get some starch uh -huh. in there to use the binding uh sort of deal mm -hmm. um and that, that was actually one of the magical moments for me. I, I specifically remembered in this class that I took, uh, I was shocked to find out today more than 10 years ago of this like raw grated potato just melting into uh, mm. this, this, uh, beef, this beef and pork mixture and just turning it into I, a sort of cohesive right. hold together 
business. And if you had and if you had more fat in there, that fat and the starch would have made that sort of architectural jelly that you would have needed. Yeah. To hold it all together, right? Yeah. Um, so when I was so as part of my research, I found myself on the CBC archive uh, in the archives in the in the dusty basements, and. I found this great clip, and we'll post it in our clip notes, this wonderful clip from December 1991. Peter Zosky, the host of Morningside, is talking to the Gazette food editor and a Quebec City chef, and they're talking about tortillers. Rich, do you remember 1991? I do. I some, some stuff happened in that year. You know, Generation X by Douglas Copeland was mm-hmm. released? Yeah. Uh, the GST came into effect. Mm. Um, and there was a regional political party that stepped up onto the uh, federal stage to air its grievances. What, uh, what happened there? The, the, it was the Bloc Québécois entered into our national nightmares, uh, led by Lucien Bouchard. And it's so, it's so cute and quaint to listen to this piece because there's like this bristling little bit of like Quebecois culture and and knowing that underneath there's this sort of seamy separatism and like to think that there was a time when separatism was a big deal we were all really super worried about it Mm -hmm. it just seems kind of adorable when you're listening to them (laughs) there's a great moment when the Gazette food editor is talking about the regional variations that in 1991 that were current in Tortier. Um and the correct the, the city chef, he was pretty much only, allo- he wasn't allowing for too much. Um, he did concede that the Scottish may have brought um, kind of like ground um, oatmeal and introduced that into into the meat package. Mm. But pretty much he, he was just like, mm, we do it kind of the way my mother did it. You know, this is the way it's kind of done. And she's saying, well, you know, you can have these kinds of spices and these kinds of spices, and you can even get a bit of rosemary in there. And he just makes the sound, he makes the sound of, there's so, there, it's, a, it's a tiny little packet of, of derision and disappointment <laughs> you have to hear it and sometimes rosemary sneaks in there <laughs> it's wonderful and at the, one point she says that um they they solicit this the gazak solicited all these uh recipes for tortilla and that one that they really liked included soy sauce <laughs> and they didn't they, they they couldn't print it because they knew that in the contentious atmosphere of 1991 this could have would, this could have uh, swung would, the vote this could have swung the vote the absolutely this would have been a disaster yeah this could have been. This could have been it. Um, yeah, the torture is in Quebec. It's not a food. It's 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 a feeling. It's an identity. Indeed, it ain't. It, you know, it's one of those things where I think if you were to go to like a, a New York fancy New York City restaurant, mm-hmm. you might see tortillere on the menu. Right. You know, if they're like, we have some Canadian, because it's like it's one of those Canadian specialties that has traveled to places where they might possibly think being French Canadian is exotic. Right. Do you know in a way that like nobody thinks being an on- Ontarian is exotic? No, no. And this is something I want to go back to about Pavlova's really quickly, Rich, because last week was dessert week. 
and we talked about Pavlovas, and I really hate hate Pavlovas. I think it really like touched a nerve in me of like I really just dis- I really have a profound disgust for them mm-hmm. because they're this messy. There's a, this messy dessert that people serve in a bowl, and it looks nice at first, but it just turns into this big crumbling mass. It's just three kinds of and sugar it, piled on each other. It's just sugar held together with egg protein. And I can't believe, I guess, that the British love it so much. <laughs> I, guess, I guess they're just like, I guess I, yeah, like this like successful colonial export that's come back to England and they just, they're just, they just love it and blah, 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 blah. And there's no Canadian equivalent whatsoever. There's nothing that I can think of. I, I, I spent some time thinking about it. There's nothing that is Canadian that has sort of been re exported back and found acceptance. Hmm. Um, Making this tour chair made me start thinking quite a bit about home economics and householding. Um, Oh, yeah? Well, the recipe calls for one stalk of celery and (laughs) half a carrot and a quarter of a leek. And I don't know how your household works, but mine kind of goes in cycles where for about two weeks we'll eat out all the time and then for two weeks we'll make food in the home and it will be really good mm. and then we'll some right. something will happen and the system will fall apart and right. so the ingredients to a torture that feeds three to six people cost either ten dollars or forty dollars right um and right also, uh, I was I was kind of playing spice roulette with uh, with my torture because I was using uh, I was getting like all the jars out of the cupboard and they're all like spices of different vintages, uh, so you don't uh-huh. really know what you're gonna do what the what they're gonna do. Tiny, so, tiny little cellophane bags. Yeah, so I I'm like I'm yeah. putting in an amount of cinnamon and then tasting it and trying to like interpret how potent this like? cinnamon is and how how it will cook out is that like, is that too much cloves exactly exactly because right. um, you don't want to put too much cloves in yeah as jude learned yeah so cooking is hard it's it's, it's, it's a, <laughs> but like just just running it like like right. you have to have a whole support system and there's there's some there's some sort of class aspects to that of having uh leisure time and to, to like plan and mm-hmm. availability and then like refrigeration. Um, right. Well, one of the things that uh, was suggested in this CBC archive piece that I was listening to was that it was kind of traditionally a meal made out of like scraps, like leftovers. Right. So you have, a, you have like, you know, a pound of this kind of meat and you have like a half a pound of this kind of meat and you have half a pound of this other kind of meat and you have all this sort of like you have a stick of celery mm-hmm. and a half a leek, you know, and you kind of put it all together, which also accounts for some regional variation. So in, really the tortier is, is, is maybe more of a method. It is a means for, for moving food into your mouth. Right. It's a, do you know what I mean? I do. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's, it's a scraps delivery system. That's what you're saying. It's a scrap delivery. It could be, it could be a scrap delivery system. You, t- you take some scraps, you spice them up good. Yeah. Wrap them in a pastry. And you put them, you put them in your pie hole. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and funny music. <laughs> um, 
We should actually probably go back and talk about what happened for the contestants. I suppose. (laughs) I Um, guess. What happened for them? Who had a good uh, one? James James and Vandana both did vegetarian tortures, and they both seemed to work out pretty well. Um, I, yeah. (laughs) You're a doubter? Yeah. I'm a doubter on that. I mean, I guess if your mind is just wide, wide open... Maybe any pie seems like a good pie, but like, a t- I don't know. My mind is resolutely shut. A tortier should be a tortier. So to my mind, Linda was the only winner. We got to see Terry talking to her food again, which I enjoy quite a bit. What was she saying this time? Oh, I can't remember. I'll have to drop in a clip right here. I'd like to make you prettier pie. I'm sorry I'm in rushing. Um, Jude, it seemed, went the most out there with ingredients. She had bison and turkey and lamb, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm. No, lamb was Sabrina. Sabrina had lamb. But she was bison and maybe water buffalo. Okay. And sweet potato. And that was, that was, I I was watching thinking, oh my God. Um, But really it was the cloves that, it was the cloves that. Too much much cloves. Too many cloves. I think Bruno said uh, this could have used more fat about three, three, four different times. But you need a lot of fat inside. The meat could have used a bit more fat inside. I think what's lacking a bit, it's more fat into the meat. Yeah. Uh, I noticed that um, Julia, when she was introducing the technical section, Mm -hmm. she said... The only thing more Canadian than that is if Celine Dion rode in on a moose drinking a brewski. She said the word brewski? Yes. in In a way that made me think that she has never said the word brewski before and doesn't know that Canadians don't say the word Bruce. Yeah, she got that. Unless it's pretty ironically. (laughs) She got that joke handed to her uh, like five seconds previously. Um, And Bruno, when they were talking about the technical challenge, which was maple cookies. So a sandwich cookie filled with maple Mm -hmm. cream. Well, a layer of maple cream. Um, I really loved the watching the Bruno Rochelle s- a segment because I had to I had to rewind it a couple times to, to hear what he said because mm-hmm. he said this cookie is full of traps. These cookies are they not full of traps? Of course they are. Yes, yes. Maybe, maybe you could play. Maybe you should play the clip because I'm not making fun. He seriously said these cookies cookie is full, full of, of traps. traps. Are they not full of traps? And I was like, really? Because it looks like a pretty simple cookie. Well, I think I think they are. I think they're getting a bit. Uh, I think they're getting into it now. I think they're leaving more and more out of the technical challenge recipes. Why do you think that? Um, there was. It seemed like there were no uh, ingredient amounts. You just had to kind of know the right por- proportions for shortbread. Uh, oh, really? I didn't notice. Oh, yeah. yeah. So who won the cookie challenge? Who won the cookie challenge? Linda, of course, won the cookie challenge. As, uh, as James said, as they were preparing for the challenge, this seems like the kind of thing Linda does in her sleep. Yeah. Uh, James came in second. Uh, third was Julian. And then Bandana, Sabrina... Uh, Terry, near the bottom. Terry near the bottom, and mm. Jude right at the bottom. But both of those ladies were at the bottom because they had too much like uh, of the of the big crunchy big crunchy sugar on it. Too, at least that's what it sounded too like. Much, it was like you've got too much sugar on your cookie. And I'm like, come on, is that a problem? Too much sugar, not enough filling. Yeah, not enough filling. And I wonder if Jude. I guess. I wonder if Jude and Terry are used to uh, cooking for the palates of of young people, young small people. Well, I think I think. 
I think Terry kind of maybe blamed it on her children. <laughs> I think, I think, I'm pretty sure she said, oh, too much sugar. Well, I was making it yeah, the way I would have made it for my kids. Um, bum, bum, bum. I guess we need to talk about donuts. Yeah, let's talk a let's talk a bit about the showstopper challenge, which was to make uh, a dozen donuts, uh, two kinds, six of each. Oh yeah, two kinds. But you had your choice of like, you could make whatever kind of fancy, crazy toppings. But then you also had the choice of like making cake donuts or making raised donuts. And to me, if we're talking about two solitudes, which we aren't, but say we were talking about two solitudes, I feel it would be cake versus raised. Which, Rich, uh, what do you think? Which camp are you in, Liz? You know what? For a long time, I was cake, but mm-hmm. I have to, I have to, I used to really like the sour cream, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sour cream cake donuts, but I have to admit that now that I'm a baker, I actually really like the raised. I'm going to, I'm going to plead a Nick Hornby high fidelity here. I'm going to say it depends on context. Uh, if okay. if I have a coffee and I am dunking, then I want a cake donut. Uh, but yeah, if yeah. well, obviously, yeah. <laughs> obviously. We're all, obviously. We're all right-thinking people here. <laughs> you can't put a Boston cream donut in a cup of coffee. That's crazy. Uh, but yeah, but other, uh, if I'm if I'm looking for a sweet if I'm looking for a sweet delectable treat, I want a, a raised a raised yeast donut. You do, you do. You have brought me some magnificent donuts. The, you you visited in the summer with you and your lovely wife Heather with a box of phenomenal donuts. Where were those donuts from? I believe they were from the very disgustingly named Glory Hole Donuts in Toronto. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. Gl- Glory Hole Donuts. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're they're very nice donuts with. Uh, they were great donuts. Yes. Uh, have you been to Portland's Voodoo Donuts? I have been to Portland's Voodoo Donuts, and I bought a bucket of day-old donuts for 10 bucks mm. from there, in addition to a whole bunch of other ones. But they were like, would you like to buy a... Yeah, they had like a bucket of donuts. I bought a bucket of donuts. <laughs> the... I couldn't resist the phrase bucket of donuts. The donut is a real regional fetish item. I think you've got like your, really your Krispy Kreme versus your Dunkin' Donuts. you got Voodoo Donuts. You've got Tim Hortons sort of selling the idea of Canadianness back to Canadians. Oh, their seasonal donuts are just disgusting. You know, you know they're all all made in the factory speak, in uh, Brantford, Ontario now, frozen and shipped yeah. to the different franchises. No, I, I know, I know. There should be some sort of like mark in the Canadian history page of Wikipedia which says, "In this year, Tim Hortons stopped making fresh donuts at each each of its locations." Before and after. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, did you notice Vendana's Donuts ha- very much had a uh, sort of a glory hole voodoo donut kind of look? When we were watching, my husband looked at her donuts and said, ooh, she could charge four fifty for each of those. <laughs> you know, because she had the doodads on the top yep. and stuff, and they were big raised donuts covered in lots of icing. She had the cherry and crushed pistachios. Which I think of in the Saskatoon berries. Yeah, that's right. I think of that as a very uh, highfalutin donut thing, having something crunchy on top. Yeah, I think they were very appealingly pink looking too. Yeah. Which uh, which of the donuts did you want to eat? Um, I was I was super impressed and wanted to eat uh, Terry's um, chocolate donut that looked like a Viva Puff cookie. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, the marshmallow puff. Yeah, that looked pretty good. 
Um, how about Sabrina's illusion donuts? We've talked about illusion cakes, but I don't think we've ever really had somebody bring illusion donuts to the stage. She made uh, donuts that looked like s'mores and poutine. Yep, that's right. And she really pulled off the poutine. Like, when it was first described, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> but she really pulled it off. It looked it looked pretty great. It looked, it looked amazing. That This show was taped in, I think, around July of this year. Is that when Tim Hortons introduced a poutine donut that actually tasted like poutine? <laughs> Do you remember that? Do you remember that terrible thing that happened no. to us all? What? No, that actually happened? I thought that was a joke. No, no, that, that happened to us. I thought it was a good joke. No, I believe that... that no, a donut that tasted like poutine covered in gravy? Yep. Oh, man. I'll check my references on this. It may be a mass hallucination, but I think I think that <laughs> happened, and I think it was about the same time. So this may I have been so. a response. Oh, wow. Uh, how about you? Which donuts did um, you like the look of? Um, well, I really liked Vandana's uh, donuts. I really liked the look of, look of them. Um, Linda had the bacon, the towering bacon. Mm, yep. Um, I thought it was really funny when... When they introduced her donuts, she was doing like uh, she was doing what's called the window pane test, where she's like holding up her piece of dough, and she's like looking through it. Yeah. And then she, you know, she turns to the camera and she says, "If you can see through it, then you know it's just about ready." That's, I guess, an old school thing. I don't know. That's a that's a piece of age old wisdom. She didn't literally say that, but it was basically it was just like mm -hmm. this is the sort of thing that Linda knows because. Linda's very experienced in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. um, but Bruno, I thought it was a bit harsh. He said, well, she made she made raised donuts and what, like with lots of great stuff on top. So she had hockey sticks yeah. and she had the bacon yeah. and it was piled with cream, creamy stuff. And he's like, so you played it very safe. Which I thought was a bit harsh under the circumstances. Um, Julian, unfortunately, had a terrible donut. And I have to say that I was watching this episode... Um, I was late getting to it. My lovely children um, kept me from getting to the television. And so I, I got off Twitter because I didn't want... I, didn't, I, I was getting nervous. I was getting nervous about what the end was going to be and what was going to mm -hmm. happen. And I didn't want, I didn't want a spoiler. Because when I saw Julian's donuts were not rising, I was like, oh no. No, and I realized I was like, I really don't want Julian to go. <laughs> really don't want him to go. Yeah, yeah, he had he had some bad luck, and uh, Jude had some bad luck with overproofing, uh, and then yeah. in the judging, Rochelle broke down the science of that. She she would look at the donut, and I mean, who yeah. knows who knows how much of this is is edit and how much of this is uh, is real. But she looked mm -hmm. at the donut and she said, "This looks like a donut that was overproofed. When a donut is overproofed, the structure collapses and it absorbs too much oil." And of course, we saw Which earlier is, Jude saying, "I think I've overproofed yeah. this dough quite significantly." Yeah, um, yeah. And that's sort of like the next tier baking science that I I haven't accessed yet. Mm. So that's that's I love I as as much as I was sad to see that happen to Jude, I like right. I like getting that information. Right, right. I know what you mean. Uh, yeah, 
it's interesting when you get to see when you can follow the thread of what's going on and it's you know it's not just terrible happenstance or like my thing boiled over or something burned in the oven it's like there's a scientific reason why this didn't work Mm -hmm. and you can sort of see the thread of how this little story played out Mm -hmm. which is sad unfortunately for jude Mm -hmm. we can talk about the end we lost uh... uh so we lost Jude. We lost today. Jude, and the star baker was James. Was James? Uh, now, he, yes. He had that great, I mean, apparently great vegetarian torture. Uh, I guess. He was second in the technical challenge. Right. Uh, he had a funny the, little he, moose display for his donuts. That's right. So he had, a, he had a display, and they said, your donuts don't look great. And they didn't look great. I mean, they were no Vandana donuts. Mm-hmm. Um but they said that they tasted terrific. Mm-hmm. So he had he had these um, raised donuts that were stuffed with peaches, mm-hmm. Okanagan peaches, and he had crullers that were glazed. I think it was a raspberry glaze. Mm-hmm. It was pink raspberry. And Rochelle said in the run-up Rochelle, that what she wanted was a, she, was a cruller. Yeah, she said she wanted a cruller. Give the lady a cruller. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, he was the star baker this week. Hey, Rich, uh, if you were a contestant on Great Canadian Baking Show and they brought they brought their crew around to film you in your natural environment to let the viewers at home get to know you, what would you be doing? I think I mostly walk around the house and say things that have names that I think are funny. Like my coffee grinder is a conical burr grinder, so I'll just look at it and say conical burr grinder. Um, huh. Or, you know, probably wiping down a countertop. And... Yeah, that's about it. Probably typing at a keyboard, <laughs> typing at a keyboard, <laughs> right. um, yelling at people, saying, saying, to, yeah, saying, I think you'd be, you'd be shaking your hands. Yeah, shaking my, shaking saying, saying honey, honey, look at this, look at this, look at what this guy's saying, look at this, look at what, look at what Donald Trump's doing now. <laughs> if you know what they're doing, look what they're doing. Have you heard about net neutrality? Let me explain it to you. <laughs> Sit down. How about you? Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, I would be doing laundry. Mm-hmm. And I would be picking Cheerios off the wall. <laughs> That's what that, yeah. And I was thinking about this earlier. I would be looking really, I would be staring at a box of packaged granola bars, trying to understand if they have peanuts or protein, or both <laughs> peanuts and protein, or no peanuts, and presumably then no protein. So next week is British week. Yes, which is pretty funny. Uh, it looked to me like they would be doing trifle and ginger snaps and maybe high tea cakes. Yeah, I think those might be brandy snaps. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're some sort of weird little sugary liquid thing that you roll. I don't think I don't think there's any brandy in them though. I don't know. They're weird. I, I've saw I've seen them on a I've seen them on British Bake Off being made once. And a trifle, yeah. I remember my, my grandmother used to make trifle. My grandmother used to make trifle, too. We had a special bowl that was just for trifle. Yeah, so did we. I wonder uh, I wonder what James will bring. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to episode four of the Bake Canadian Takeoff. You can find us online at bakecanadian.com, on Twitter at bakecanadian, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Canadian. Our theme music is Dog Politics off the album Moon Music for the Apocalypse by Elvis Herod. If you're enjoying the show, please consider telling a friend, share the link, or leave a review on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Bye.
Bye.